Well, this weekend on Saturday, I saw um, an eight-foot blown-up penis. <laughs> Where? Uh, it was at this, like, uh, we had this, like, band on the lake. Okay. And one of the boats, one of the boats on the right side was a 21st grad par- or a birthday party. Okay. Yeah. But the one. Dangerous situation. Yeah, dangerous. Yeah, we had the cops rolled up. Oh, shit. Um, so that was kind of loud. <laughs> Twice, actually. But uh, then the other side was a bachelor at party. So I'm assuming that's where the 96-inch uh, penis was. Yeah blown up and it was so basically what was happening was on the on the one boat with the 21 year olds yeah they had they had like a dance off or whatever mm-hmm. with this other boat full really? of bachelorettes wow and the bachelorettes were all in black and then the bride to be was in white um she had a crown or whatever yeah and during the dance off one of the um bachelorettes got out this blow up dong and just started like waving it around at the bride or whatever it was a wild scene man it was about there's about 150 boats there. 150, 155. I've never been on a boat. I've seen like boat parties, like what you're talking about, like probably only like 15 to 20 vessels. Oh no, 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 150. Yeah, yeah, big, big place. And then you get out of your boat because it's a it's a sandbar. Okay. So the the boats all come out to the certain spot where the the water is. Well, it's lower than normal, right? Obviously, because we're in like a fucking drought or whatever. Yeah. But um. It's basically like a sandbar. So when I get out of the boat, it's up to my like my knees, or so. Um, so that'd be like shins for Eli, or like for Catherine, probably her waist. But uh, you know, we're each we're all different sizes. But um, you get out of the boat and you walk down the bar, uh, and there's a uh, there's a pontoon with a with a a um a band playing mm-hmm. and then there's all of the rest of the drunk motherfuckers in the front mm-hmm. uh right in front of the stage or whatever doing their own thing and uh yeah it was a wild scene well i'm glad that your weekend was so very eventful it sounds like i mean did you get uh, a hold of that inflatable at all uh Mm-mm. for your own liking Mm-mm, no uh why why would i i mean wasn't it tempting Mm-mm. not at all it was hilarious. I got a video of it. Oh, okay. Well, you'll have to show me that off air. Mm-hmm. I think For sure. that I yeah, that sounds that sounds enticing to me. Well Yikes. Welcome to the Baseline Podcast. Um How are you doing? Where we spew shit into a microphone, microphone. for your enjoyment or not. Or you're listening to us on, on your lawnmower, on your way to work, on the bus, um, on the subway, um, maybe getting subway. Um, Taking trashes out at KT. Um, doing your hair in the morning. Uh, waiting in line for a milkshake. Because uh, it brings all the boys to the yard. Um, and they're like, it's it's better than yours. Um, but no, um, it, my weekend was nowhere near filled with as many inflatable penises. You're just, yeah, you're just pretty boring. Um, well, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, I actually... I, I actually had quite a great weekend, um, all things considered. I, I went house-sitting for a family that I know this weekend, and I've never house-sat house, house sat before. Um, and I think that this is important because I felt like I was really trusted and really important, and maybe like I'm getting to some level of young adulthood where people are starting to trust me with shit. Um, so that was kind of flattering. I was like, this is a, this is a good place to be. Um, so I went house-sat for this family, and uh, great big house. Um, two dogs had to care for a lizard as well. Um, 
and it was pretty chill. Got there on Thursday evening and stayed through today, Sunday, at like 5 p.m. Uh, so I was there for a good deal. Had to get up for work one morning. Um, but it was great. But the thing that I did this weekend that um, I don't know if anybody else is going to relate to this while listening to this. Um, there are some TV shows that you see on Netflix that you're like, ugh, why would anybody watch those TV shows, right? Like you see the shows like Grey's Anatomy or like the shows that are perceived to be like, I don't want to say girly, but like more feminine. Or you hear a lot of your like female friends talking about the shows more so than your male friends, right? You look at those like reality TV shows, right? Or reality dating shows like The Bachelor. And you're like, wow, this seems like so stupid. Why would I ever watch this? Well, I watched one this weekend. And let me tell you, it was fucking fantastic. And here's the show that I watched. I watched the show called Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. And if you guys don't know what this show is... Uh, one of the most popular stars from it, I don't know if you've seen him on TikTok, Joe. His name's Harry Jowsey. Mm -hmm. He's an Australian guy. He's like six foot five, curly hair. Um, just a like a really attractive tall dude. I mean, of course, they're that's who they're gonna find. They're gonna find these right. people yeah, that are as one does. Ex extremely attractive. But the thing that is so like incredible about this TV show is that they start with ten people, five guys, uh, five girls. Sure. And they go to this like just super decked out resort, right? And they go to this resort, and for the first 12 hours that all these people arrive, they aren't told any of the rules of the retreat, right? So none of the rules are in effect quite yet. Um, so what they're told to do is to just, like, show up and that it's going to be, like, um, just like a reality TV show, reality dating show with no rules, right? So they show up to this resort, um, and the thing and why it's called Too Hot to Handle is because after 12 hours of... Uh, they call these people like super swipers basically because they all come in and in their like uh, introduction interviews, they're all talking about about like just how much they absolutely love sex and can't go a day without sex. And they're just like their sex drive is through the goddamn roof and they're these super attractive young people. So you can imagine that all they want to do is just go to this island and just absolutely smash. After 12 hours, this robot assistant named Lana uh, she's in like, it looks like almost like an essential oil diffuser. If you've ever seen those, it's like a little mm -hmm. cone. Um, and it actually is like an air freshener. It's kind of crazy, but she pops on and she's like, just wanted to let you know you're on a show called too hot to handle and you're not allowed to sexually touch kiss or have any form of sexual contact with anyone on the show for the remainder. Uh, and if you actually do any of those offenses, you lose money from the prize pool. Uh, and the prize pool is for $100,000 uh, at the end. Um, and they, you know, they either split it between all the contestants if they all do well or they choose, like, one person. Um, and if you kiss, like, if you end up kissing somebody on, the, on like, the island or the retreat or whatever, you lose $3,000 from the prize pot. So that's crazy, right? You're losing three thousand dollars for just a little smooch. So you, yeah, so you look someone up and down and you're yeah. like, for three grand, yeah. do I want a smooch? Basically. And That's if wild. you, I mean, but just think about it. If you're in like their shoes, like, uh, you're in like prime location. You are your perceived like notion of what this place was gonna be was just like a ton of sex, getting to meet a ton of hot girls or hot guys, vice versa, right? Yeah. And you get there, and you have so much sexual tension tension build up for this moment, and then after 12 hours of you being there and not being able to release any of it you automatically get shut down by saying you can't do any of this. Otherwise, it goes against the greater good of the group. So it kind of like pins people against each other. That's why it's like reality TV. It's sure. drama-inducing. But $3,000 for a kiss. 
Um, you actually you can't jerk off either, so you can't even relieve yourself. Okay. Um, so you lose two thousand dollars if you do that. Um, you lose four thousand uh, dollars if you're given a hand job, uh, which that happened a couple of times. Um, if you do any sort of like uh, like oral sex or fondling, like along with your kissing, you can lose up to sixteen thousand dollars. Holy shit! And if you actually do the deed and have sex, it's a twenty thousand dollar penalty. And out of the whole hundred thousand, out of the cool. whole hundred thousand dollar prize pot. Okay. And of course, there's like these huge plot twists during the show or whatever of like you can win money back if you like go this night in like a private suite that's like super sex driven and not do a damn thing with this person that's super hot sure. or whatever. But basically, the moral of the story is is that I watched the two seasons of it that are on Netflix and it was actually quite entertaining. Like I I'm kinda, not gonna lie, I'm kind of hooked in. I'm, I, um, I might take a look. And, I mean, I did not expect for, like, myself to even, like, enjoy it whatsoever. I clicked on it just because I was scrolling through, and I was like, this shit seems so funny. Let me just see how cheesy it is. And then I found myself watching the entire thing. It happens. Because, I mean, it's the same thing about, like, I used to watch WWE when I was mm-hmm. younger, right? Yep. I was a huge fan. Every Friday night, I'd hurdle up in my basement, watch Friday Night SmackDown. Bingo. Um, every Monday night, I would force my dad uh, to cut it out. Let me stay up late, watch Monday Night Raw yep. from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. every Monday, um, you know, with all the greats. I mean, Monday Night Raw and WWE is kind of eh nowadays, but it used to be great. Um, but it's kind of like that. Like, it's reality TV. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, or at least I'm almost 100% sure that a decent amount of it is fake or it's scripted because they want to oh, get guaranteed. the best ratings yeah, yeah, possible. For sure. I think that some of it is actually impromptu, but I think, like, the people – they get like voted off in some of the situations. I'm like, this seems a little bit formulated, but I was still hooked on it. Yeah. So I right. mean, if you're if you're somebody out there who's like, wow, these cheesy dating TV shows like The Bachelor or whatever are too hot to handle in this situation, I would never like get hooked into something like that. Like some people do. Like I was hooked. Like I was fully hooked. Sure. And as much as you know, one might be ashamed to say it. I'm going to get on here and say that I enjoyed Too Hot to Handle. And oh I'm excited God. if there's going to be a season three. What a take. Um, and I even watched their reunion episode that they had, you know, getting to know all the personalities. It crushed me for an old end. Uh, no, I'm just joshing, but I was really enticed. Sure. Uh, have you ever had, like, a TV show like that? Like, you've ever watched and you're like, wow, I don't even know if I should, like, be watching this because, like, it seems, like, really out of my wheelhouse or it's, like, like super, like, feminine or out there or anything like that no i mean i don't really watch a ton of reality i don't watch tv in general anymore i mean yeah um my family when i was like a like a kid or whatever um my family was really like i don't want to say stingy but we were just very like cautious of how we spent our money um being a middle class family you were like yeah we were pretty frugal we never had cable tv okay Uh, my dad did but my the family that I live with, which was my mom, my stepdad did not. So if I wanted to watch something on cable, or I wanted to watch the Sunday morning cartoon or Saturday morning cartoons or whatever, mm-hmm. or some like like a football game mm. uh, that wasn't the Vikings, I had to go to my dad's house. Okay. But um, so we like we never had cable TV, and then like with Netflix, we had it for a while, then we didn't have it, then we got it again. Mm-hmm. And then once Friends came off of Netflix, because my mom is a huge fan of Friends, as am I. Mm-hmm. Um, once Friends came off, um, we watched Cheers for a bit, because Cheers is also a great, great show. show. Yeah. 
um, Prime TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after a while, we just got rid of it in my house. So we basically went completely uh, with like nothing to watch unless I wanted to like mooch okay. off of off of anybody. Be be one of those parasites, which I was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I can guarantee you she's not listening. So uh, one of my ex girlfriends, mm-hmm. um, when we were dating, she put her her Netflix on my phone. Okay. Because I was like, oh, and then you used it. Yeah, for like an a year and a half after we broke up, um, and the only reason it ever came <laughs> off of my phone was because I bought a new iPhone 12 Max Pro. But other than that, it wasn't coming off my phone, and it never did. Oh yeah, why would you take it? No, off your phone? exactly. Yeah, screw that. I mean, if you can go under the radar and just keep fucking using it. Exactly. God, why I love you? being a because per- here's the thing. Here's the other thing. Because yeah. I know that there's gonna be a time in my life. Where I am going to be like the the guy, the supplier, the supplier, right? Yeah, and like, there's going like to be parasites chain. underneath. So yeah. I know that that's going to come it's, eventually that is down the, the road. Circle of life, of right? Society. Circle of life. So since I'm young, yeah. I'm like I'm going to be a parasite now, so that when I'm older Fuck, and people yeah. are using my shit, mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, hey, I remember that. So go ahead and fucking use it. Yeah, cause... fuck it. If I'm like, if I got my like ESPN Plus in the future or my goddamn Disney Plus and like somebody under me is like shit I want to mooch and I'm in a financial situation where I'm like boom you don't got to pay me shit I'm like you fucking mooch you do what you need to. That's yeah you got you do hustle. what you got to do you hustle yeah. bingo like, you fucking hustle for that shit I exactly I kept um so I used to watch movies exclusively on like Showtime and Stars sure um which was like they were a much bigger network back in the day I mean in comparison to all the streaming services that we have now, they were like pretty premier in terms of like getting all the big movies or whatever. Um, and I used to mooch off of uh, off of one of my uh, one of my family members, and I did not care at all. I got the password once on RTV when yeah. they came over. Yeah, saved that shit in my note doc, so I made sure I had the password Bingo. at all times. Need that. Uh, and then after like a year and a half, they ended up changing the password. It was tragic, but I used it for a year and a half. Cause then I could watch all the new movies when they came out, like, like relatively soon. Not like feeders come out soon, but like almost that soon. And it's great. And I think that that is really interesting. We should embrace that as human beings. That, I agree that we have a somewhat of a stream chain uh, as human beings. Of like, there is going to be that uh, that alpha that purchases the product, and they have a following of moochers. And then those moochers one day, once they become successful become the alphas for their Bingo. friend groups and yep. it can go down and yeah. the best thing this would be the absolute best is that if you get together with your friend groups right and you make a plan for all of you guys to have these like these like family membership streaming services and you just all share the passwords because imagine if you have like a group of five friends like imagine our our like crew of friends that we mm-hmm. have yeah imagine if one of us was like hey i'm gonna buy spotify premium for all of us on a family plan i'm gonna get netflix for all of us i'm gonna make sure that i have disney plus for all of us we have espn plus for all of us and then you're like we have like youtube tv for all of us can you imagine how elite of a strategy that is you save so much goddamn money you still have independence of all your watching capabilities because you have like different profiles for watching Mm -hmm, right it would be next level and this is things i mean if you're listening to this this is a fucking pioneering strategy. Implement this in your life right now because this shit is A1. And I just thought of this off the cuff right now. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. But write it down because I think that we are – we're like this is real shit. 
Like if you think about actually splitting the bill on that, you can get so many programs for so cheap. So I'm gonna play devil's advocate for oh, a second. Gosh. Uh, who the fuck has time for all that shit? In what do you mean has time for all what shit? Who is got the time to watch all of that shit? Like I ain't got time. I realize that you may think that you don't have time, but let let me ask you this. Do you find it intriguing to watch sporting events? Yeah. Do you like, you know, you like watching football, maybe a UFC fight here and there if it intrigues you, something like that? Yeah, a little like, that you shit. You say that, right? Yeah. Do you enjoy watching, like, watching, like, oh, golf? Maybe golf. Golf's golf, okay to yeah. watch. I'd rather and, play. Yeah, like, and, and golf and football, because there are some football games that you can't get on ESPN+, Plus. but guess what? YouTube TV almost has all. The if stations. I'm watching something and it's not on ESPN, or if I if, if there's a game that I want to watch and it's not on ESPN, I actually probably don't want to watch it. Really? Yeah, you know, because here's the thing: if it's like if it's not a big college game or an NFL game, probably don't want to watch it. Like, here's the thing: I I will go to any of my like any of Concordia's games mm-hmm. to watch either my friends. Or just to support our team or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, outside of me, like, there's going to be games like D3 and D2 football games that get put on wherever. I don't want to watch that shit. I'm trying to watch, like, goddamn Ohio versus Alabama. And I'm trying to watch the Vikings lose to the Packers two times a year. Like, oh God. you know what I mean? It's like, well, potentially not this year if A-Rod's gone. But that's a totally, that's a totally different topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I, I mean, I like to do those things. I like to watch, you know, sports games, fights, although now all of them are pay-per-view, so that's a bunch of bullshit, so we watch those illegally. Um, Shh. Be wh- fucking quiet. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not copping 70 bucks to watch some dude get his ankle broke in the first round. Oh, but anyways, God. we're going to just hide them and keep moving. Um, so... I love to do that shit, and I love to watch movies. I'm a big movie guy, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I have now. Potentially, when we get into the college landscape, and I've got once we get back in there, and I've got like my Friday night and Saturday night free. You know, maybe I get a chance to watch some TV show or some movie, but like in the meantime, in the summer, I ain't got time for that. Like I'm out five days a week. I'm working on myself, doing what I got to do. Making the bread, um, kicking the balls, lifting weights, doing that kind of thing. And then on the weekends, I'm trying to spend time with people that I don't get to spend time with during the weekdays. So it's like, I'm I'm busy, man. Yeah. But the idea is A1. And I agree. It should be used by... I think the right lifestyle in a friend group. Yeah, yeah. I think it's much more simple. 100%. Like, this is no shade to anybody that this might apply to. But if you're a business major that has just like a general business major that doesn't have anything super declared that isn't in a ton of extracurriculars at college that has a lot more free time and not a ton of homework to do and you're in a group of people that's kind of in that surrounding atmosphere why wouldn't you do it because there's probably part of you that's like screwing around on tiktok or watching youtube videos or whatever but there's probably part of you who's going to actually have time to watch those netflix series and watch those specials that come out on hbo max with the friends reunion and the new movies that come out and shit like that. HBO Max is probably, if I had to look at one thing to get, it was probably HBO Max. Yeah, I think there are like a a sturdy amount of really good yeah, titles on HBO Max. Yeah, a lot Max of good stuff, that, including the entire Harry Potters. 
which I mean Gas. that in and of itself. So if you if you sit there and watch, those are probably about ten bucks a pop, in yeah. like as a DVD. So if you're looking at about eighty bucks. So if you want to watch, if you haven't seen them all and you want to watch every single Harry Potter movie, and you look at that and say eighty bucks. So HBO is like what fifteen sixteen a month. So uh, just do know. five months. So it'd be worth it'd be worth buying five months of HBO mm-hmm. for the. Um, well, how much it would cost you to buy a DVD of Harry Potter? So just like using like, it, uh, like your investment in that. But you know, um, the Friends reunion was actually pretty good. Yeah, I did enjoy four, that. Fourteen ninety nine a month. Bingo. Only fifteen bucks a month. So, um, so yeah. It's crazy. But well, uh, I I did actually want to talk about the UFC fight. Okay, go ahead. As much as we we might want to get away from, or as you were like, how you do keep moving, um. I, I did watch the UFC fight last night. Uh, his comment on watching it illegally um, is all alleged. Alleged, right, um, of course. If if I'm to speak on it, frankly. Um, I will say that that is an alleged claim on his part. It's uh, a joke. It was it was a funny funny joke. I laughed. Um, but I I am one that is uh, that was quite enticed by the event just because I watched um, both the original Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier fight um way back when when dustin mm-hmm. poirier was uh still working on i guess you could say his come up because he's a premier fighter nowadays uh in the lightweight okay. division uh and he's number one contender and all these things like he's a bad motherfucker um and of course mcgregor has had his ups and downs within the past four years um i remember there's a comment at the press conference for the fight where this guy was like connor how does it feel that you've only won one fight since barack obama was president and it was kind of a savage moment. Um, but, yeah, he has only really won one fight uh, since that happened, which is crazy to think about because he was, like, so, I guess we could say notorious because he's the notorious Conor McGregor. But, like, so active and was absolutely destroying people, was a two-division champ. Uh, and then last night happened. Um, but before I touch on the main event, I want to talk about a couple of things that, um, Grant, you said you didn't watch, like, any of it, right? No, um, I don't remember like the, exactly the what I was doing last stuff. night, but I uh, I was probably pretty busy last night. Yeah, so basically there were only a couple of things that were really like like super standout-ish. I mean, there were like the prelim card fights, which were like, you know, just like people you haven't really heard of, like a lot of come-up fights, like uh, just not exhibitions, but they were like fights just to like like beef up people's records and get right. their names yep, out there. Yep. Um, but when we get to the main card, um, one of the things I want to talk about is that uh, there's this guy named Sean O'Malley, really young fighter, mm-hmm. really great striker in the UFC. He's really popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it looks like he almost has hair like six nine, like he has like rainbow dyed hair. Really crazy. That's some dope shit. Um, but he's a great fighter. Like he's fucking stellar. And last night, um, I think it was eleven days before the event, um, Sean O'Malley's partner backed out of the fight. Okay. Um, or had to withdraw from the fight. And an amateur fighter named Chris Mutino, um, who had a record of 9-4 and four coming into this event, who had been doing MMA for 10 years on the side. Like, this guy had a full-time job and then was still doing MMA on the side. Sure. And had a 9-4 and four record. Um, was still making his name for himself in the amateurs. Like, a month ago, quit his full-time job to pursue MMA full-time. Sure. Um, and he also has, like, a crazy, like, bright green mullet. He's a crazy guy. Um, so he gets into the ring uh, last night, and I kid you not, nobody had any expectations for this right, game, yep. right? Because he gets called up 11 days prior, um, 
So what was got, the kid's name? His name is uh, Chris, Chris K-R-I-S, yeah. Mutino, uh, M-O-U-T-I-N-H-O. Um, and he faced Sean O'Malley. And the craziest part about this fight is that Chris Mutino did not, like, he landed a couple of shots on Sean O'Malley. But in general, not a lot of power shots that really rocked Sean O'Malley. Mm-hmm. But the craziest part is that I have never, when I tell you I've never, I have not seen a UFC fight where a person has taken as much damage and as many shots as Chris Mutino took and was still able to, like, move forward and press the issue on Sean O'Malley so much, even when O'Malley was dropping the back foot and absolutely hitting bombs on Chris Mu- Chris Mutino. Chris Mutino did not get knocked out at all, even though for some reason the fucking ref in the third round stopped it on a TKO with only 30 seconds left in the round after Chris Mutino made it that far. And I was like, why would you even fucking do that? Just let it go to a decision. Let the kid get a fight yeah, like all the way yeah. under his belt. But um, Sean O'Malley broke the, um, the overall landed punches record in a fight last night. So basically, really? Chris Mutino was like a punching bag that was like walking towards Sean O'Malley the entire night, which you don't expect if somebody's getting absolutely lit up to like just walk into your fucking punches, but he kept doing it, got like the most bruised and bloodied possible. So I just wanted to say that like, well, A, Sean O'Malley set like a crazy record of like, it was like 290 landed punches, something obscene like that. And it was like, he had like an 82% like land percentage, which is crazy Mm -hmm. for like throwing punches. And this guy uh, named Chris Mutino, uh, he didn't land a lot of shots, as I said, but proved that he has a fucking chin on him. Like, he can take a punch in a goddamn half. And Which is good for him. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he just took a kick to the sternum. Yeah, so you're looking at... Yeah, I'm watching this. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. He just gets absolutely lit up. O'Malley yeah. lets his hands Holy. just goddamn fly all of the time. And Chris Mutino almost has no response. Yeah, so this Chris guy, I just watched him take two power jabs to the face. Yep. And just, like, then go swing. Then, like, then swing at him. Yeah. Like, he just takes that shit and then, like, moves on. And the thing is, like, if anything, what that proved to everybody in the UFC last night is that if you give Chris Mutino a chance, like, with, like, now that he's done with his job to like work with like real good trainers and like prepare in a fight camp, I think that he could be he fucking could be good. phenomenal. Yeah, he if could be can, good. If you have a chin like that and can fucking take damage to get on the inside and absolutely destroy people, you could be crazy. Um, one of the other fights on the main card, which was the co-featured main bout, um, was Gilbert Burns, who is I I believe he was number two ranked, um, taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Which, um, yeah, you're still looking at highlights. It's crazy. He gets absolutely he gets fucking, pounded. He gets mangled and just walks time. away. Yeah, he 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 like walks away, but then he keeps walking toward him. Like he doesn't. Yeah, stop. it's offensive pressure, hundred yeah. um, percent of the time. But this Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What's so crazy about him is that I believe he's 38 years old. So he's an older guy, but he used to be a professional kickboxer. Had a 57 and 0 record as a professional kickboxer. Then came into the UFC and was absolutely demolishing people just for the fact that in kickboxing, uh, you're uh, you're always in a side stance, right? Like you're always in a side stance with your dominant foot waiting mm-hmm. to kick. Like you aren't in a straight on position, like waiting for strikes. So not a lot of people knew how to deal with his kickboxing for so long. So he's been going on an absolute tear in the UFC and beating a lot of really great fighters. Uh, but then he met Gilbert Burns last night, 
And all it took was Burns getting on the inside and using wrestling disadvantage and the grappling was crazy good. Uh, he had a stoppage. Uh, or no, did he have a stoppage? I can't remember. I think it might have actually uh, been a decision. I can't remember uh, quite off the top of my head. But the featured event of the evening, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I think, I mean, I don't think. I know that I'm going to see a fourth fight of this. Um, it's the Dustin Poirier or Poirier versus McGregor fight. Uh, right at the end of out round one, um, Dustin Poirier was clearly winning the round, um, and the fight only went one round. Uh, McGregor tries to go in for a jab, and as he's backing, uh, backing away toward the cage on his back foot, uh, his ankle slips out from under him, and you can visibly see his ankle uh, contort and twist about 135 degrees. Uh, so a lot of people thought that he just broke his ankle. Uh, he broke his leg. Uh, in terms of, like, he broke his shin in two. Uh, and there are a lot of theories for going around with this. One of them is that uh, Dustin Poirier thinks that on a check kick, uh, and when you talk about a check kick, like, if you kick somebody in the UFC and they just, like, take the blow, that's not a check kick. Basically, checking a kick is when you lift your leg uh, to check somebody kicking you uh, so that you use your leg, like, or your shin to absorb the blow. What Poirier thought happened was that Connor. Uh, did check a kick uh, earlier in the fight from Poirier. Really powerful kick. And he thinks, or at least Poirier thinks, that on that check kick that he fractured something in Connor's uh, shin. Sure. Or made a crack in the mm -hmm. shin. Yeah. Which would have exacerbated the injury of his ankle and in turn broken his leg. Yeah. And... Very possible. Uh, it is very possible. Although McGregor, of course, while he's sitting on the ground, fucking agonizing in pain, says, There was no fucking check kick. I was lighting him up with a punch, lighting him up with a kick. Hey, Dustin, your wife in my DMs. You fucking, your your wife's a hoe. Like, he says all this, like, crazy shit. Um, and just anyone who paid $70 for that fight. Sorry. Really sorry. Um, tease and peace. Yeah. Uh, for sure. To you. But... I'm excited for the fourth fight. I think this will be the only like four fight series in UFC history. If I if well, I how correct. long is this thing going to take though? Because he he's got to get that leg back in shape. Well, I mean, if it's like I mean, we really don't know how serious it is quite yet. I'm sure you can probably look at articles today, and there will be stuff that comes out. Because yeah, a reminder, we're, whenever this podcast comes out, uh, it's recorded on the what the evening after. Yeah, the evening after it'll be up on like the Wednesday of the week after the fight. Yeah. Um. Which is like, I mean, I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. I mean, we waited six months in between the uh, Poirier-McGregor 2 and now uh, for this fight. But, yeah, with rehab, I don't, know, rehab, how long yeah, gonna, I don't right. know how long it's going to take for him to get back in the ring. But you could tell that McGregor was fucking pissed, and he wants to get in the ring. And Poirier was also pissed. He gets on a press conference and says, like, with people saying, is there going to be a fourth fight? Is there going to be a fourth fight? He was like, oh, yeah, there will be another fourth fight. Whether it's in this octagon or on the fucking sidewalk, you can't say that shit and get away with it. So there's bad blood, and it's going to be a great fight when they're both yeah, I can't healthy. Wait. I can't wait. Um, still probably not going to pay for it. Uh, but No, but that's a legend. But no, yeah, I I quite enjoyed the event. I don't uh, I don't watch like a ton of like UFC pay-per-view just because it's a lot to keep up with. 
but I'm trying to, and it's uh, it is quite entertaining. I mean, it's combat sports. Right. It's, I mean, it's an art form, really, uh, to be able to fight like that. Same thing with boxing. As like humans, we're just like drawn to the like, drawn to the danger. Yeah, the danger and of... the and the attention of it and everything that comes along with it. Actually, I also had a question to ask because last week on the podcast, anybody that's listening right now, if you remember when we talked about bagged liquids from Quick Trip, uh, we. <laughs> We talked about how Joe um, gets to order the pitchers as a maintenance man, and I asked him last week how much the pitchers cost on order uh, to order for the store because they give them away for free with the bags. And the burning question of this podcast is, Joe, how much does one of the pitchers cost? You said that you'd answer it this week. I um, I forgot to look. So what I'm going to do really quickly for us while we're on air, while Dylan talks about some other crap... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to call my store and have them look it up. Really? Yep. Okay. Well, yeah, so one of the things that I also want to talk about today, uh, completely different from the UFC, I was, um, when I was uh, coming out of house-sitting today, I went to stop by the gas station, um, and and I heard this woman uh, call a guy, uh, just like just this man in a store. They got into a disagreement. Uh, they called this guy a cuck. Uh, and I've called people a cuck many a times, uh, and I mean, I don't regret it. It was mostly when I used to be like a gamer boy. I used to call people cucks all the time. Um, and there's two different meanings, uh, to this word that I actually, I looked it up on Urban Dictionary, of course, the most reliable dictionary source. Um, and there are two different definitions. Um, and one of them is a lot more, uh, defiant than the other one. Uh, I'm going to go for the first one first. Um, so cuck in, in this sense, uh, originally is the short version of the word cuckold. Um, and a cuckold is defined as a man who lets his wife or girlfriend or partner, um, have sex with other men. Often the man lets her do whatever she wants and treat him like shit. So this, like a cuck is a man who gets off to watching his wife or girlfriend have sex with another man, um, which is bonkers um and the second definition which is the one that i actually found the most interesting is when when talking about well, a cuck in this scenario uh the second definition is a man who is desperate for acceptance approval and affection from women this desperation has led to the compromise of his beliefs and values the desecration of his dignity and self-worth and his inability to stand up for himself and what he deserves as being a human being uh, examples being loyalty, fidelity, and honesty in a romantic relationship. And I think that this is a perfect opportunity to talk about how cuck can be applied to how um, the, like the femininity that has been presented and how men have been developing in today's society. I wanted to talk about this because I know that there are a lot of different ways that what I'm saying right now can be perceived. So I want to be very clear as to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that as a man, you cannot engage in some stereotypically feminine labeled habits. I happen to do a lot of things that people would stereotypically label as being feminine. Uh, I take care of my skin. Uh, I have separate shampoos and conditioners. I do hair masks for my hair. Sometimes I even do face masks. Um, I'm not really one for painting my nails. I try to accessorize and use jewelry. Um, and I try and dress well and take care of myself in terms of my style. Uh, and if that, you know, makes me super feminine, then shoot me, I guess. It's something that's a stereotype. Hopefully people can get past that. I think in today's woke culture, we've gotten past it quite a bit. 
But one thing that I think that the word cuck presents very clearly um, in saying a man who's desperate for acceptance, approval, and affection from women uh, leading to the compromise of his beliefs and values is talking about how men in today's society have become less emotionally strong. And what I mean by this is that when we're becoming less emotionally strong or compromising these values on behalf of women and on behalf of femininity, it is not talking about in the sense of like uh, like losing our emotional uh, I have value. returned, by the way. Yes. Now I'm back in this conversation, so okay. I'm listening. Um, and we're going to take a pause from the conversation. How much is it? We just got to get the answer. Yeah, so, I've been uh, really on edge. I, I, got a, I, I called in the store yeah. or whatever, and it was one of the managers yeah. that um, – She's like, she's okay. But uh, she, I was, okay. so I was concerned that I wasn't going to get an answer or whatever. <laughs> okay. So I had to talk a couple things around. But I did get an answer. You did. And each pitcher, yeah. we're required to order 10 minimum. Yep. This is one of those products that we do. Um, they are a dollar and 13 cents per pitcher. Per pitcher? I per thought they were going to be like 10 cents. I did too. That's crazy. That is pretty wild. Well, that's, that's your dose of fact for for today i guess what i do have on hand for cost is um like how much our cleaning supplies make oh okay because like that is stuff that i do order like yeah i order like one or two per truck yeah which is truck comes every other day yeah well truck comes every day but the one we have a big and a small truck gotcha 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 so anyways continue so, on your so what your we're head. what we're i don't know how much you really heard from no, the none conversation of um so so we're talking about the word cuck uh the word cuck you Not chose cock. this uh, yes, because on on my way home from house sitting today, I went to go fill up on gas, and I heard a disagreement going on in a gas station. I don't know why I have really bad luck in running people at gas stations, like crazy fucking people at gas stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this lady was calling this man a cuck, and I okay, and I have called people a cuck many times while you know being a gamer, telling people in game yeah, chat yeah, yeah. lobbies. Yeah, when you're, you're like twelve you're, years old. Yeah, you're you're a cuck. Right. Like I've said that before. Yeah, but I didn't really know what it meant. Basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original definition of cuck is short for the word cuckold, which is a man who likes his wife, girlfriend, or partner to be fucked by another man in front of him, and he gets pleasure out of seeing them uh, getting screwed by another man, which is bonkers to me. But the second definition— I know one. That's fucking wild. Uh, we'll just leave that tabled for now. Um, yeah, I agree. But the second one, which is what I was talking about, is— uh, a cuck is in terms of a man who is desperate for acceptance, approval, and affection from women, and his desperation has led to the compromise of his beliefs, values, the desecration of his dignity and self-worth, and his inability to stand up for himself and what he deserves as a human being, uh, which would include lo- loyalty, fidelity, and honesty in a romantic relationship. That's some real shit. And what I was talking about is how I think that this perfectly represents um, in – in today's day and age, um, how how nowadays men are becoming less uh, emotionally uh, fortified or strong. And what I mean by this is that as a man, uh, I believe that as a, like men and women, we have our designed roles in a relationship. I, at least I believe so. I think that there are like certain aspects of relationships and the way that we handle problems and provide and nurture that biologically and sociologically uh, are designed to be functioned and better suited for uh, for the different uh, sexes in a relationship. 
And I think that one of those things that really is like is definable by men and, um, you know, with being like traditionally masculine uh, and with your testosterone is to be able to solve problems and to be uh, emotionally fortified in the way that you're emotionally and mentally strong, uh, which is different than being super emotionally vulnerable and malleable, which is what I would like to make a distinction of. I think that in today's society, as much as I am all for expressing our emotions uh, as we should uh, and seeking help from others and advice from others if we should do that, I think that there are some men, and I think that Joe can agree with this too, that take this like emotional openness and take it to a whole different echelon, which makes them seem like uh, I've heard people call them like pick-me-boys before. I don't specifically know what that means. If you'd like to inform me, uh, I would appreciate it. I could probably look that up on Urban Dictionary as well because, of course, they're the most trusted dictionary site. Yeah, in, I would say that's probably on Urban Dictionary. Um, but what what I think is really important here is that I think that it also has to do, and I looked up a lot of things regarding this because I was quite curious about it, is that testosterone in men over the past 20 years has been on a steady decline and a rapid one, like a really rampant decline in testosterone, which I think also has a lot to do with how uh, like manliness and masculinity and uh, how we perceive these issues. And testosterone is so responsible for so many part parts of, uh, of young men and, and even older men's lives that we don't even realize in terms of like motivation and growth and all of these things that you need to like thoroughly progress as a man through your life to where you lose so many of these benefits of, of steadily growing if you don't have a lot of testosterone in your blood flow. Um, and the loss of testosterone has to do with everyday products. Like some of, some of these things that like you wouldn't even think about on paper, but scientifically are taking away uh, just little chunks of the nanograms per deciliter concentration of testosterone in your blood flow. Uh, a couple of those things include uh, soy or soy-based products. If you have any like soy isolate proteins or any soy milk, uh, any like soy products whatsoever, uh, they are scientifically proven to deteriorate testosterone. Also, mint. Uh, mint in your toothpaste, in Andy's mints, in anything minty. If you are a mint person, that's been scientifically proven to drop your concentration of testosterone. Licorice root. I really don't eat licorice root. And if you do, I mean, good for you, I guess. Not for me, but that's lowering your testosterone. Vegetable oil. This is another thing. If you're cooking things with vegetable oil, your testosterone, your nanograms per deciliter, going to go down. Uh, flaxseed. I use flaxseed sometimes in protein shakes to give myself more carbs. Turns out that scientifically, it deteriorates that concentration in your blood flow. Also, any sort of processed foods. Of course, we all know that processed sugar and a lot of the artificial flavorings that are processed are not good for us, and they also drop your testosterone. Also, another big one, sorry to rain on your parade, but alcohol fucks up your testosterone, like a lot. Um, it's one of actually the biggest causes of drop in testosterone because of how social drinking has become in modern day culture. Unfortunately, I know it's a sad reality. Happens to a lot of young men, especially, uh, that are drinking six or seven days a week. Uh, and that's why a lot of people are losing their testosterone. Of course, also nuts of any kind. Um, 
uh, not of the genitalia kind. I mean, do what you want in that regard. Uh, but any nuts, any tree nuts are also responsible for a drop in testosterone. And one thing that I don't think a lot of people might know is the manufacturing systems of today that we have that make us a lot of things made out of plastic, right? We have a ton of things made out of plastic in here, right, Joe? Like if we just look at like that stick and deodorant, that's plastic. The shell on that light, that's plastic. Case on my computer, plastic. Stand right there, plastic. Uh, the outside right here on my water bottle, plastic. Your blender bottle, a phthalate plastic. Phthalates also, uh, let me make sure that I pronounce this correctly. Um, they have significant uh, health side effects in terms of, of the endocrine reduction, in terms of uh, like the chemical exposure that you get. And it's, um, it's quite crazy, actually. I'm going to look up here. There was a... Let's see right here. Yeah. So researchers found an inverse relationship between phthalate exposure and testosterone levels at various life stages. So basically, there is a trace amount of phthalates um, that they're called in every single manufactured thing that is uh, made out of plastic. So let's just take in, for example, like if you're drinking out of a plastic water bottle. A lot of us drink out of metal water bottles nowadays, which is much better. Um, but if you're still drinking out of plastic water bottles, this is something that could affect you. Or if you're eating anything out of a plastic container. Um, so it found an inverse relationship between phthalate exposure and testosterone levels at various life stages. In women ages 40 to 60, for example, increased phthalate concentrations were associated in with a 10.8 to 24% decline in testosterone levels. Among boys ages 6 to 12, increased concentrations of metabolites of a phthalate called uh, uh, di or 2-ethahexyl phthalate or DEHP was linked to a 24 to 34.1% drop in testosterone levels, which is a huge thing, especially when you're that young of a boy, because especially when you're getting to the age of 12, your testosterone ramps up for the periods of puberty, of course, and those things become a lot more noticeable in your life as a young man. Um, so with all the science aside, and I'm sure Joe is like, what the I'm fuck? lost. Uh, there's so many science facts here. Basically, what I'm saying is that all these everyday things that we aren't even aware of sometimes are allowing the young men of today, in my opinion, to become the weakest generation of men that has ever existed on this planet. Um, in terms of if you're listening to this right now and you're a man, with all due respect, I think that your grandfather is more of a man than you. I think that your father is more of a man than you. And I think that ge the generations before them were even more of men than they were. And the reason is, is because of all this chemical exposure that we've been exposed to in production uh, and the sense of right now, I think that conforming to being weak emotionally and not being able to, for example, stand your ground in terms of your morals and the values that you hold dear, especially in today's society, it's a really hard thing to do. I understand that. Like, for example, if you're somebody like that has the views of uh, of a radical person on the right and you jump onto a liberal campus like DePaul, you're going to get like almost shot and like rioted and shut down because not a lot of people can accept like people's different morals and automatically take it as bigotry. Um, so it's a hard thing to do, but the reason why we are dropping so much in testosterone is because we are com becoming complacent in what our manhood should be. And our manhood does not need to be, uh, 
labeled in specific as to people who don't have any emotions, although I know a lot of men that I know, including myself at some times, are like, Haha, let's joke, and like, we're men, we can't feel anything. Uh, I, I'm not saying that we should do that at all. I'm not saying that we shouldn't cry ever. I'm not saying that uh, we should sacrifice any empathy in our emotional connections with people. What I'm saying is that there is a difference between the leveling of having emotional maturity and also having mental toughness versus being mentally malleable. And I say this as being like, if you have a woman that comes into your life and automatically makes you turn into a yes man, you are, a, as, as we call in today's society, you're getting fucking whipped. You're getting whipped by this gal. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen it done to plenty of guys that I care about a ton. And I've had to go up and tell some of my friends, like, hey, as much as like we understand that you're in a relationship and you want to go and hang out with your girlfriend or do this and that, there are some conversations that I hear between these female partners that are like actually whipping these men into place and not allowing them to live their lives like they should. And men are just taking it. And we are taking it straight to the fucking groin every single time, literally, with our testosterone levels lowering. Now, and here's my bit. So I am completely lost as to a lot of the things that you're saying right now. Because that's a lot of science, not a science guy. It's a lot of math, not a math guy. Um, so I got very lost there. But what I will add in the part where you stop talking about science and math is that the best shit is when you find a partner that will not, like, whip your ass, but will allow you to become a better person and grow with that person. Like, so if you find yourself in a, a position where that person is your partner is making you better in a lot of aspects of life it because changing having a, a significant other change you isn't always a bad thing i think no, is what I, i'm trying to get across yeah. like there are the situations in which you're chatting about which like yes that is not great um there's probably that's probably a, an unhealthy relationship there should be probably things fixed in that but when you find somebody that does better for you and is like bettering you as a human and you guys are growing together and uh, the person, your partner is allowing your your specific interests to um, be your specific interests and being happy for you in those regards, but making sure that everything is all very fluid and there's no press in any specific areas of your life, that can be some of the best shit. And uh, that's what we we stand and we look for. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's important to like, I'm not trying to rag on like change being a, a, a always negative factor. And in fact, I would say that change in most aspects of a relationship is mostly positive. It's probably good. Um, yeah. In terms of like, I can speak for my past relationships. Uh, most of the change that I've gone through in my past relationships through most of the time was a lot of positives in terms of how I viewed myself, how I began to mm -hmm. respect myself, uh, how I learned to love better, communicate better. So I'm not to say that it is, uh, it is something that the change is always bad. Uh, and I think that that's something if you're listening to, don't take this as me being pessimistic. But one thing that I'm saying is that, especially for men and women alike, like this is not something that evens needs to be centralized on men just for this point. Like, if you get into a relationship and you have, like, a moral standpoint on something, uh, whether it be, like, philosophically, 
sociologically, how you emotionally view people, uh, how you uh, politically identify, uh, whatever it might be. Um, there should I don't believe that there is any situation uh, in which you can't simply accept that your partner might have a different viewpoint than you and even have a cordial discussion about it if you're really interested in what they have to say. And even if not, respecting that they have a different view, not taking it as criminal because it's not. Unless it's something that's literally condoning criminal action and hurting people, then I don't think that it's something that needs to be like thoroughly worried about or even like like I guess ostracized in any way or being told that it's wrong. I it's it's one of those things where even in my boots, like I'm gonna be straight up. We go to we go to a school where there are at some points where you can get in conversations with people, and if you say like one wrong thing, like cancel culture could catch up with you, like in a lot of aspects. Like if you aren't on the right side of where these people want you to be, like people can get really upset at you very quickly. So there have been times where I have needed to like, even like outside of like anything political, if I'm just talking, like there are some times where I feel like. Wow, I need to like think five seconds before I say anything because I could automatically be in trouble for saying how I feel, which is me contributing to this like you know uh, emotional weakness and something that I'm trying to get better at. But in that case, you need to evaluate uh, your risk versus reward in that public situation. But in terms of your private relationships and your even even friendships, like uh, it doesn't just have to be romantic endeavors, like. I disagree with a lot of friends of mine on a lot of things, like it, like probably more things than I can count on just my two hands. Uh, and I think that that's the best to have in in any sort of relationship. Uh, as much as commonality is great, I think that Joe and I do have a lot in common in terms of like our sense of humor and uh, and the way that we operate. But we are also so fucking different in so many ways, and that's why. I, I mean, Joe can, I mean, second me in saying this. We have both learned more lessons from each other than I think we initially would have even thought like possible in like four years over our first year of college, which is just because we both lived our lives so differently. We had such a different story growing up that you get to learn about a person and their experiences, how they live, how they perceive things emotionally, socially. You're like, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, you get to open up a lot to one person and get to exchange those ideas in a healthy way. Um, and I think that in general, uh, in my relationships, mostly uh, within like my close friendships, it's thankfully something that I have a really like, you know, healthy experience with in terms of like exchanging my opinions on things and how I view the world because I think that that's important to talk about. While it doesn't need to be every conversation, it's fine if you just want to talk about how dino nuggies are the shit for a couple of seconds and have a laugh about it. But I think that it's important that in your relationships and the way that we view, uh, specifically I'm talking to the young men and the men of today, uh, that it needs to start becoming a standard again to not be because you know everybody's like screw the patriarchy screw masculinity and I say no to that uh, I say no to the toxic masculinity and the toxic patriarchy that's telling us to fucking reject everybody be emotionally unforgiving to everything I am saying that you got to be motivated 
You have to work on yourself every single day, not compromise on your values. Uh, always provide. Uh, always uh, provide in terms of of material and of value uh, and of emotional stability for people because that is what takes your, I guess, like your level of masculinity outside of your testosterone and how big your muscles are and maybe how brawn you are, how much facial hair you can grow. And that makes you more of a man, in my opinion. And I think that that was something I've, I've seen these articles floating around so much. And I was like, and then I heard this word cuck. I thought it connected so well because if you think about it, as much as we're becoming more woke and more emotionally available to people, uh, there is a point where I think that as a man, you need to be emotionally strong and emotionally independent, right? I think this is a really big thing uh, in terms of as much as it's really great, I've done it many a time. I've sat down with Joe, talked about my emotions very openly, and it's been a back and forth thing. We've both done it with each other, and I think that it's a healthy thing to do every once in a while. But I think that if Joe showed up every single day and sat down in his lazy boy in our dorm room and like complained to me about his emotions every single day, there would just, it, it would, I think it would get annoying. I love you and I would care about you and I try and help you through those things. But just think about it. If you had somebody that came into the room every single day, burdened you with these emotional problems that were like the most minute. Like you can deal with emotional issues that are very small in your own head if you just think for like 10 minutes. I've done it many times. But there are some people that share every little inconvenience with you. I've met are, them. And are so, so emotional I all the them. time. Yeah, I know who they and are. And once again, understand there are people like that. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, so I know some of those people. Yeah. And uh, we know some of those people. Yeah. And we're not going to mention them. Um, But... You know, my one of my greatest things is that, like, as much as Dylan can talk about all of this deep stuff or all of his views and he lays them out very articulated <laughs> and things like that, I can do that. But a lot of the times, and I think there have been flashes on the podcast where you can see that, like, I am, I can be and am a deep thinker. But a lot of the times, what's super nice about having Dylan there is Dylan can do that work for me and I can just be that guy who doesn't have to use the brain cells. Well, right? no, I don't even think it's that. I think it's that like we're different in the terms of like, I know what you're trying to tell me, but you don't know how to say it. And then I can voice it to you and how you're feeling. Oh no. I just mean in general. Oh, just, this is in general. Just, I like, like if I'm living my life, right. A lot of times I'm not thinking about, Goddamn anything. I'm not focused on my testosterone levels and what I'm eating and what kind of plastics I'm drinking out of. But, you know, when it comes down to the end of the day, I will have a goddamn philosophical uh, conversation with you and I will be a, um, I can become a key role in that conversation. Like, I can be a person yeah. who is putting in valid thoughts. Um, but I just like to steer more towards the, hey, how you doing, keep moving mindset of like just living my life, having a good time. And then when I need yeah. to have those conversations, I have those conversations. And, you should, and I think I mean, that works really well in our friend dynamic uh, because then if I have like, like if I have some smart person come up to me, I just like stand behind Dylan and have Dylan talk. And then when I have like, <laughs> when I have like regular people come up to me, Dylan's like, here you go. 
This one's for you. Just handoff. Do like a little WWE yeah, 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 take yeah, team sure. match. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, one thing that I is like, I don't know. In, in in my personal opinion, in terms of like, what what I mean, one thing I've learned is that of course, like we have the give and take of you being like, hey, I can participate in these conversations and articulate my ideas better after knowing me. But it also comes down to you can't take life too seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's one thing I learned, especially from, as a young kid. I learned from Joe. Yeah. Uh, this year is that there, there. I mean, there have been many points where Joe has like just shot the shit straight with me and been like, "You're like taking this shit too serious and not putting yourself out there as much as you should be." And the thing that is really important to put as a distinction here too is that Joe was not peer pressuring me into doing anything, and I think that that's something that a lot of people do in college, their friends, that I don't condone whatsoever, because Joe was just very open and honest with me that he was like. You're not taking any time to go out and meet new people, which I wasn't because I was like working on the weekends uh, all of the time and not going to like any of the functions, trying to meet new people, diversifying my relationships, making any new experiences. Um, And basically what Joe was doing this year was – and our give-and-take relationship was that uh, Joe learned a lot about, like, how I brought, in some cases, like, the seriousness to life in terms of, like, uh, like routine and, uh, and talking about, like, how to get things done uh, properly. Even though Joe got things done before, I think that I just brought, like, views that he viewed and was like, wow, this is interesting, like, like seeing how, how you think about this. Which is and, how I treat all of my live. friends. Yeah. And uh, in Joe's case— he taught me, I guess, uh, in blatant terms, more how to live in terms of uh, not taking life too seriously. Which, I mean, you have to do, even like in into my like 30s and 40s, I plan to still have that in the back of my mind the entire time. Like my stepfather, for example. My mom and I joke all the time that my stepfather is a 12-year-old boy at heart. Um, and as much as that's a joke, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, I love your because. Stepfather. Because there is not, like, there's not a full day that goes by where I'm like, wow, my stepdad takes himself so goddamn seriously. It's so boring to be around him. Because, sure, he can go outside and trim up the shrubs and go mow the lawn and get sweaty and do a bunch of yard work. But then he'll come inside and start doing Ric Flair impressions and singing singing karaoke and doing a bunch of dumb, silly shit. And I'm like, this is the kind of fucking person that you should be. You should not, like— like simply like mitigate your personality to being one way or the other which is where i was can you just read the first sentence yeah i'll read the first sentence um not out loud oh yeah so there there's your keep keep going with the conversation but that's your answer from our conversation previous oh gosh yeah we're leaving you guys on a cliffhanger that's okay it'll be addressed eventually um but no it's uh I think that in general, it's a little bit sappy talking about it, like about like friendships and whatever. But there oh, is friendships like, are the fucking best. No, and they, we talked no, about they, this in the car. This is something I do want to get into. Dylan and I have like, like, our views on this are so so similar. What we talk about with friendship is super key. Dylan and I are best friends, and then we have like, I want to say probably. Three to six or seven more friends up at college, and that is it. And we love it. It's okay. The best. It's the best shit. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm I, I kid you not. 
I look at a bunch of these like high school kids nowadays with their like 30 something odd friend groups or whatever. And I'm like, that is a bunch of bullshit because I'll tell you what, those all those people are not your friends. But what you're going to find is if you've got your small group of friends, those are your homies. You look after each other. You got their backs. It's the best shit. Mm-hmm. I love having a small group of friends because you can know them so intimately and get to talking with them all the time, hang out with them all the time. I have so much planned for like all of my friends and I when we get up to college and we have our late night, you know, music sessions. We did those last year or like study nights or like movie nights. Like if you just have a small group of friends, that's literally the shit. Yeah, I'm going to butt in for just one second. One thing that I do want to drop on like before you continue on the on the friendship thing is that the whole high school situation, in my opinion, does have to do a lot with like maturity and how you view relationships. Right, of course. So I think that us having this realization is probably something that a lot of high schoolers, including myself, because I had a vast group of people that I was like acquaintances with, don't want to say friends because a lot of them were just acquaintances in high school that you really grow into thinking like just because you have more friends does not mean that you have better friends or more fulfilling relationships. That's that's my hot take. I just wanted to make sure the high school to college thing is, a, in my opinion, uh, just a maturity jump because you begin to realize a lot more things. Well, I think here's the thing, though, like there are there are groups of students in high school who have like the small friend group and that works for them, which it should Um but I just know that, like, um, like what I got going on now is, like, the best shit. Mm-hmm. And I just want that to be vocalized because I think it's super important that, like, anybody who's listening can, like, take a look at their friends versus acquaintances versus family. Like, all of it. Look at all of your relationships and be like, which ones have got my back at the end of the day and which ones don't? And if you look and you make your circle the people who got your back and then like that's awesome yeah and i think that every single one of those relationships holds a really distinct place in your life but when we're talking about those people that are always going to be there for you in that close friend setting it's a whole lot different than talking about the acquaintance setting which i've kind of dictated as to being like sure i might see this person in like in like passing or because of like one of my good friends that's like a common friend right um and like somebody that if I'm passing by in the hallway or like along the sidewalk, I'll say like, hey, how you doing? Uh, like, good to see you. But not somebody that I have a really like deep emotional bond with, somebody that I can really connect with. And like, uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't care for some of those people, but like somebody that I like really care for because they're they're um like my best friends, like my really best friends. Like, I actually love those people. Um, and I think that. Using the word love uh, in a sparing way is something that I think, in my opinion, we should value more. Um, one of my good friends named Carter um, influenced my thinking on this a lot over um, my last year in high school and coming into college. And I think, oh, excuse me, I think that it is so valuable to think this way is that throwing around the term love uh, so much does in my opinion like it it kind of makes love lose its meaning a little bit and i think that if you if you keep using it in such a sense uh with just people that you like you probably don't even like love too much like you might like them a little bit um but if you just use it in like a way that you're just throwing away the word i mean what meaning does it really have like in terms of like this past year um like when we're talking about like our group of friends like uh i don't think anybody will really understand this but when we're talking about the scooby crew 
like the Scooby Crew, like I've grown to love you guys. And that's not a thing that I will say with a lot of people that I've met up at school, right? I'll only say it for like you, um, a couple of our other pals, our future roommates, love those guys. Um, and then some friends that I have back home, uh, my best friends from back home who I actually house sat for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed to really like, you, you need to really adjust how you think about things if you're really thinking about it in that way. And it's a really deep thing to talk about. I know like talking about like misusing the word love and a lot of people are like the word love isn't that serious. I love everybody. Ah, oh, I love this. I love that. Uh, oh my gosh. I love you so much. Blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think that I'm not trying to conform the way that you guys think about the word love, but I think it's something that that we use a lot. And maybe if you use it quite frequently, could maybe do with evaluating how you use the word love. Uh, It's just a little bit of of something that I was thinking. So today I broke somebody's wrist. That that doesn't sound very friendly. So... uh, one thing that I would love to chat about really quickly, uh, I was a soccer player since I was like three years old. And a lot of the times, especially in high school, because kids are immature and they're all about chatting shit to other people, yeah. is they're like, oh, soccer players are weak and pussies and mm. they just flop all the time. And you can't play a real men's game. And... You know what? Here's what I'll say to that. I did break a kid's wrist today. Well, not a kid. Actually, a 35-year-old adult. Um, I broke his wrist today playing soccer. Um, my thing with the whole ideal that soccer is a weak sport um, is that it can be misconstrued as that. And I can see where people come from like that because you look at football and it's contact every single play. Um, and soccer isn't always contact every single play, and there's not definitely not a lot of things that are allowed to do in soccer as far as like physical contact. But here's what I would like to say: physical contact happens. If you watch a like nineteen like a college team play soccer, you will see a lot of people get hit and a lot of people fall over. And let me tell you something: in college, there's a lot less flopping than you'd think. Yeah. Um, some of these boys, especially the way that they're growing up now and lifting weights and stuff like that, if you're good at soccer and you're built, you can move a body. So the thing that I would say to all of those people who say that soccer is a weak sport, is it all, in my opinion, uh, given the, let's see, the like decade and a half of experience that I have playing soccer, is it's all on the refs. So if the refs will let you play soccer and allow contact like amounts of contact you will see a game where you're like i don't want to be in that i remember going to u19 games as like a 14 year old boy and watching these like grown men hit each other like in the sternums and like kick each other with their like cleat in the chest and like literally pile on top of each other and beat the shit i've seen it mm-hmm. okay so it's what the refs allow because i think the thing is is if you watch like a um a professional game and the refs keep the game super tight so we'll say that like there's a little shove with the arm and they call it 
and then the people get mad because it was just a small shove, then you can sit there and be like, oh, that player is a wuss because he's complaining about the call. Well, actually, the call probably shouldn't have happened. On the other side, if you, like, kick a guy in the leg and they just let that shit go, uh, shit can hit the fan real quick. And it did today. Um, We had a couple of people get knocked on their asses. And, like I said, that guy... That guy did not come back on the field after that play. Um, so, you know, I think that soccer is a little bit of a um, of a misconstrued sport, especially, I think, in America because it's just football is king in America. Hockey and basketball, I think, come close second and third, but I think football is king in America versus other the rest of the world, basically uh, all mean, soccer. Yeah, I would say that's um, Which, shout out to uh, Italy today. Uh, take it home the cup for sure uh, in the Euros uh, after the penalty. I didn't get to watch it because I had a soccer game directly during it. I don't know why they scheduled uh, uh, amateur soccer, a men's league soccer game during the Euro final. But, hey, happens. I get it. Um, my, my, my coach said that two years ago they scheduled – uh, a game during the World Cup finals. And I was like, really? I was like, I would probably not even go to the game. I'd probably just skip. I'd be yeah, like, I'd yeah. Skip it. And I'd text my coach. I'd be like, sometimes, you know, you if, if you don't want to go to a game because you're like lazy or whatever, or you're like, you just got done with work and then you lift it and you're like, shit, I don't want to go to the game. You just text coach. You'd be like, I'm busy. Um, if they scheduled a world final on like, or if they schedule a game on the same day as the World Cup final, I'd probably text coach and be like, Coach, I'm not coming. There's a World Cup on. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Like, I would be probably pretty straight out with him. But uh, anyway, so, like, from what I've heard, obviously, I'm a soccer player, so I get most of the shit. Or I was a soccer player, so I got most of the shit, like, especially in high school. But, yeah, that's my two cents on that. But shout out to Italy, uh, taking that home. I uh, I personally, I, I'm not Italian. I wish I was because I think that Italians do shit best. Which is why I'm super excited that we're traveling to Italy this year oh, yeah. uh, with the Concordia Choir. It'll I be can't a blast. wait. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Um, accents, man. Man, I love accents. No, I. Isn't. I think that Italian people and people from England or anybody from any part of Europe or even looking toward parts of like South America, how they have like such. Like, especially in the Romance languages, when talking about, like, like Spanish or when talking about Italian or French. French. Like, if you have somebody who speaks French to you, um, it... It's I mean, kind I, of the best. In, in my opinion, it's a cheat code. If you are a man and you walk into a room, if I had the same physical attributes... Let's say that I walked into a room with a clone of myself with the same physical attributes same outfit, same everything, and I simply had a had an accent like I was from France and speaking English, uh, and I could speak fluent French to women, I think that that is a cheat code. I think that it is an obscene cheat code um, from our, I don't want to say ugly, but ugly American accent and how everything is so plosive and... Uh, blah, and not as flowy as these other languages. I think that when you're able to have an accent or be bilingual in any way, it is so attractive. Um, I tried being bilingual. 
I really did. You like, really I did. really gave it well, a full shot. Well, you're, you still have, like, a really good base knowledge of French, yeah. though. I could keep going, too. I mean, yeah. Like, I could, if I wanted to, I could study on my own. I just don't have time for it, but I could. I, I mean, I could. I'm going to take Italian, though, this year, I think. Okay. Because I don't want to walk in being a, you know, single lingual stooge. Yeah, and I mean, Italian is... It's pretty simple. I mean, it is pretty simple. I, I don't want to, like, like discredit the learning process of it because of... of well, it's a, it's a second can, language. Of I course, mean, it can be it, difficult. Yeah, but, but like... But it's, like, in terms of, like, second language, when yeah, you're talking about, yeah. like, French in comparison to Italian... French is ridiculous. Let's, let's just get this out the way. French... From what I've heard is the hardest language to learn, which is why I don't understand why I decided to take it in college. Um, I'm an idiot. But, like, it is so... There's so many, like, small little... Like, forget the accent, because you have to learn how to use an accent. Um, But, like, there are so many little, like... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Irregularities um, in the language itself. To just learn those mm-hmm. and how to speak all of the different sounds. Because there's more sounds in French than there is in English, too. Yeah. Um, is there a lot of, like, predicate differences, too? I don't know what that word means. Or, or is there a lot of, um, like, in terms of, like, uh, like tense issues? Like, if you're talking about, yeah, like, there's like, so, like yeah, there's a shit ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how many there's in English because we, like, like uh, we just speak it because we were that's how we're raised or whatever yeah but uh there's like 14 or some stupid well shit. here's what i will say english is the hardest language to learn if you aren't born in english speaker. that's not what i've heard really i so i had a buddy coming over from germany as a foreign exchange student and when i chatted with him on the phone earlier in the year and i said hey i'm learning french i feel bad for you for having to learn english he was like he actually said english wasn't bad compared to other languages which i assume he then followed up, and he was like, uh, "French is shit," and I was like, "You're right." Well, th- also think, but think about this though. A lot of um, when you're talking about like any places like Germany or France or any parts of Europe, as much as they have a lot of media in their own language, they're still exposed to a lot of English, even in their country where their native speak is of France or or of French or Spanish. Or um, if you have, you know, if you're like Czech or anything like that, there's like English uh, widespread from America all over the world that you're already exposed to, like through the media and television shows and things of that nature that these people are exposed to as well, that you can get like just by watching something like watching an English program, you can pick up on English because a lot of um, a lot of things that are really interesting about foreign languages is also how body language is so different and the normalities of body language in different languages uh, in terms of like if you were going to um, if you're going to China and speaking Mandarin Chinese also a very hard language mm-hmm. uh, if you were speaking Mandarin Chinese there are little uh, body language tweaks ways to approach a conversation that can articulate a different message with the same words right sure. um, so like if you were somebody from France um, and you can see like what emotions are being presented through the body language of of these actors even if you don't understand the actual language uh you can learn the normalities of body language of the english language right um and you can apply that to learning the actual language you already have a base knowledge of that because of just 
the I mean the global presence that America has over so many countries in terms of the media that's consumed right. is crazy. Um, so I think that not to say that they have an advantage in learning English because they have all these things. It's just that English is so it's so incredibly strange in the way that we have like so many just weird phrases that we use all of the time without even thinking about how strange they are uh, or the way that uh, we refer to anything and the way that we speak in general, how like, I mean, there, there's not a lot of very like uh, flowy speech. I'm when, sure that if I walked into any like specifically, probably like a, a, a German or a French place. Yeah. And the way that I talk is a lot with my hands. Mm -hmm. Like I do quite a bit. Yeah. And as we've talked about before, a lot of my speech is basically a flow of random shit that just comes out and I just say whatever I'm thinking and it just like continues to go. Mm -hmm. um, between that and the hand shit, I feel like when I walk in there, they're going to instant like this dude's a stooge, like he's a clown. Yeah. My man is Mickey Mawson with his hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I, I think that it's crazy how, like, if I really wanted to, like, let me try and, like, just say a message here in my, like, most, like, flowy and elegant form of English. So, if I was to talk in a very legato way of speech and I connected all my words very nice and didn't use as much enunciation and going through my words very elegantly and proposing this different predication of word and phrase and going through these things with inflection, it sounds obnoxious to English ears. But to somebody, like if you're a French speaker, it's crazy also looking at it. This is more of a music nerd thing, so if you're a music person you listen to this, this is cool. But the sense of line in music, if you think about that in language, think about how crazy that is in terms of how you speak Spanish and French um, not, I mean, German is pretty fine and in, in, it can get, sorry, German people. Uh, but it's like, when, we love you, but just, no, yeah, you know, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's another one of those languages that's very like, it's in your face. Yeah. You know yeah. 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 For sure. uh, but that's no hate to German people. Cause singing in German is one of my favorite things. It's the best shit. Um, but you know, that like the elegance of language, I think also is crazy. If you were to like make a connection of like how we perceive musical line when moving through a phrase and shaping a story through through the musical line, even in English, right? We think about this, uh, which is why sometimes people have such a difficult time, especially in English, going over that perceived like line that you find in English music. Like when you're talking about like a song like Shenandoah, right? Instead of singing like, oh, Shenandoah, I long to hear you. Hi, yo! Okay. Like, you, instead you have That's to... That's some quality music. Yeah, but if you do it... Oh, Shenandoah, I long to hear you. Just like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to... Because I, I did get a little bit of a plosion in the microphone from the from the other high note there. Yeah, but, I'd say. Um, But I, what I'm trying to get at is that those other languages... um. I, w I mean, I wish I was bilingual, but I'm just an English stooge. Well, I mean, I we can work on it. I mean, you can jump on the French stream with me. Well, you know. I mean, and I'll be taking diction in school this next year, too. Yeah, so that, that's not going to teach you any language. Well, I know it won't teach me language, but it'll teach me, like, uh, like more pronunciation of language. Yeah. 
like in terms of like if I wanted to pursue something like Italian or um, working through because I I find German really appealing. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean I I would love to uh, to take a to take a German course. I think German would be really interesting to like have as like like a mastery language. <laughs> Shout out uh, Sam Sudlowski for that one. <laughs> oh my Ooh, god. Maybe they say pizza. Zing. No, no, no. Um, okay, okay. We get, we get. No, it. that's. Uh, I think that's gonna do it from us today. Yeah, um, some Mickey well, Mouse shit. Yeah, that was that was some Mickey Mouse shit at the end. Uh, thanks for listening today. Um, the fifth episode of the Baseline Podcast. We already made it through five um you crazy. already made it through five actually so that's probably a bigger accomplishment if i'm being honest as a li- as a listener, listener yeah yeah us making this shit uh is not as impressive as you guys sitting through it yeah I'd and say. going on the journey with us um, hey quick quick what? shout out sarah oh for being a on-time stooge uh great pianist by the way yeah good luck at college she for wanted sh- that in there. Oh, okay, for sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, we hope you all have a great rest of your week. Um, we will we will see you for the next episode next Wednesday, um, and I'll keep you updated on social media as well. Um, you'll find in our anchor page uh, that will lead you to my Twitter page, um, and I'll be posting uh, every time that the podcast is gonna go live. That you can see oh, it on my Twitter. Oh, my Das Frank reich sorgen zwei Grenadier. But I will be posting on yeah uh, on Twitter when our episodes are going to go up. They're going to be going up on Wednesdays. Uh, we're going to get into a more consistent schedule. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got to be done with this. Um, we're going to lose listeners. All right. This was us all year during college, yeah. by the way. And that's how annoying we were. Uh, so we will lose listeners if we don't, yeah. if we don't just quit it now. All right, so, see you next uh, week. So yeah, just Got it. peace out. Yep. Bye.